0: says it's verses 15 to 29. That's not right. We're just going 15 to 20 this morning. Um, I hit the wrong key and didn't catch it when I was reading over the bulletin. So it's Matthew 7, 15 to 20. And if we're going to title the message, it'd be Danger Will Robinson because, we're, because your pastor has a real weird sense of humor, if you haven't noticed yet. And we uh, are... Uh, filled with warnings this morning about uh, some false prophets so if you're in Matthew chapter 7 find verse 15 we'll read down to verse 20 it says beware of false prophets which come uh, to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves Ye shall know them by their fruits do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Now it's uh it's sad to say, but many in our society and our culture today have bought into the notion that truth is relative in other words uh, truth depends on how you will define it for you what is true for one person may not necessarily be true for somebody else and what is true today may not necessarily be true for tomorrow consequently the idea of absolute truth is is all but obsolete in our culture or they will say something to the effect that, well, all, all truth is God's truth. and Well, that may be true, not, not all of God's truth can lead you to eternal life. Uh, two plus two equaling four is, is God's truth. It's universal truth, but that does nothing for your sin. In, in telling us to beware of false prophets, Jesus is telling us that there is such a thing as an objective standard of truth from which the falsehood of the false prophets can be discerned. We, we can distinguish that. I mean, the very notion of a false prophet is meaningless if there's not an objective truth by which to measure it. The nature of truth has always been a topic of discussion when, you know, questioning Jesus, Pilate asked the, the question, John 18, 38, what is truth? Uh, there, there, there's many today who, who, who are still pursuing the answer to that question. They're still trying to figure out what truth is. And unfortunately, their pursuit of truth, uh, many have, 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 have come in contact with those that, that claim to be teachers or preachers of the truth that have turned out to be imposters. They are, 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 are sheep, uh, wolves in, in, in sheep's clothing. They, they claim to be men of God with a message from God designed to impact our lives in a positive way. Uh, but in many cases, the impact has little, if anything, to do with anything positive. Now, Jesus is not, uh, not holding back. He's not mincing words here. He plainly tells his followers, beware of false prophets. And in telling people this, Jesus is obviously acknowledging the fact, uh, the reality that there really are spiritual bad guys that we have to watch out for. And we, today, more than ever, we have to be discerning of the religious, of the spiritual teachers and their teachings. Here, Jesus is talking about influence, Be very careful who you let influence you when deciding which gate to go through. It is here that we look specifically at the influences that can be deadly to us as believers. In Matthew 24, verses 11 and 12, it says, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Verse 12 says, And uh, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now the spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In verses 15 to 20, this is the first warning in the New Testament history about false prophets and it's repeated often especially through Paul's epistles. The warning is unambiguous. There's no mistaking this here. There's only one way of salvation and that is through the narrow gate. Uh, Then you walk the narrow way the way Jesus himself specified which is faith in him. Remember no man cometh unto, unto the father but by Jesus. Satan knows that the only way to eternal life is through Jesus, and that every soul that finds eternal life represents a resounding defeat against Satan. Because of this, Satan is, 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 is engaged in a battle with God for people's souls for for their for their eternity, and Satan ruthlessly opposes Jesus, and he will oppose the teachings of the gospel. But Satan can't deny um, that part of our human nature um, that we are spiritual. He has to acknowledge this. So. Part of his method in in combating the true gospel is a false gospel. The true message he fights with the false message. Because he even admits that, that, that our souls require a spiritual message. So he, he raises up false prophets to, to, cons- to, to confuse the people. To, to dupe those who, 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 who don't know any better. Even to the extent of giving them pseudo miracle power which we'll see next week. When God's work is revived Satan and his minions get busy and what we want to look at as we work through this first of all verse 15 is the deception of these false teachers look at what it says it says beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves it says to beware we know what that means to be on guard when you're walking uh, down the street and, and there's a sign on the fence that says beware of dog, what's the first thing you do? You start looking for the dog, right? You don't want to be surprised because he comes running up to the fence and stops, hits the fence, scares the dickens out of you, and you look silly when you jump. You want to, that's the first thing you do. Beware of dog. You start looking for the dog. We know what it means to beware. And Jesus is telling us be on your guard. Watch out because there are ravening wolves, ravenous wolves, insatiable. It denotes a pillaging and a plundering and a robbery with no concern for the victim. They don't care what harm they do, they just want what they want. See, false prophets have been part of the religious scene, you could say, for thousands of years. As far back as the book of Deuteronomy, it talks about false prophets. God has been warning his people of the dangers of this false message from these people. Men like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Micah, they all spoke out against these so-called prophets that said they had a message from God, but it was false. And they were guilty of prophesying lies. And even the apostles warned the early church about false teachers that would stand up and and, and present the truth but it would not be the truth see by all appearances false prophet is, is thoroughly Christian they seem to say the right things. The, the terminology is just what it should be. I mean, he talks about God. He talks about Jesus Christ. He, he speaks of the cross. He emphasizes the love of God. And all in all, there's nothing in his speech that would, that would necessarily betray his true identity. How, then, are we to identify the false prophet? It's not so much by what he does say as by what he does not say. While the false prophet's message seems to be spiritual, it is in, in, it is in reality very, very deceptive, very subtle, like we talked about in Sunday school. It's subtle, it's conniving, it's wily. There's generally nothing found in the false prophet's message that's going to be offensive to lost people. That is, there's there's very little, if anything, about holiness, about righteousness, about justice, about the wrath of God. There's never anything that would cause a sinner to tremble before a holy God. Nothing said of sin, or hell, or the lake of fire. False prophets generally don't deny these things, they just don't say anything about them. He's very careful not to say things that are obviously wrong but he refrains from saying things that are obviously right and true. So to conceal the truth is just as bad and just as damaging as, 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 as proclaiming rank heresy. So, so they leave out key truths of the word of God. The doctrines that these prophets preach have a clear tendency to make people proud. They make people worldly. They make people contentious. Uh, they make them loose and careless in the conversation, unloving, unjust, schismatic, ununified Jesus says that they come to us in sheep's clothing it's not easy to tell who they are at first because sheep are adorable sheep look harmless sheep are cuddly you ever cuddle a sheep? I mean if you can get past the smell they're really kind of cute okay uh, that that's how they appear. I mean, Jesus calls us real believers, sheep. If you know much about sheep, that's not necessarily a compliment. But, okay. These people really aren't sheep. It's just it's just their disguise. It's, it's what lets them in the gate. It's what gets them in the door. And we usually assess our Bible teachers and, and, and preachers and pastors and leaders by by asking the wrong questions we normally ask well is he nice does she dress well does he speak well is he interesting is she relevant uh, does he have the right qualifications is he a reverend uh, does he make me feel good does does she have a nice smile or or my personal favorites uh, can he tell stories well or is he entertaining See, the problem is false teachers, false prophets are very often likable, pleasant people. They may look just like sheep. They may not even be necessarily a leader in the church. They may not even speak in meetings, but they pass on their false teachings through the conversations, through books, through videos. It's not always easy to tell who the false teachers are because they look like us. They They sound like us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15 says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works." shouldn't surprise us that they would come in and they look like they're one of us. See, God puts the treasure of the gospel into earthen vessels, okay, like us. But he does not put that treasure in corrupt vessels like false prophets. They... Do the things we do. They fit into the church environment. And their goal is to lure you in, to make you comfortable with them, to make themselves likable. And at the opportune moment, they will trick you into another philosophy, another teaching that is not God's. They are deceptive. In verses 16, 17, and 18, and then verse 20 we get a description of the false teachers. See, the danger with the false prophets is that they look so good. And judging them based solely on appearance can be dangerous. Because appearances can be so deceiving, we're encouraged to look beyond what is on the surface, to look at the fruit that is being produced by their lives or by their ministry. See, a fig tree is easily known because... It produces? Figs. Exactly. My folks used to own, own, own some orange groves down in Florida around the Orlando area. And on those orange trees, guess what we found? Oranges. Every single tree. Grape vines produce grapes. Okay, that's what they do. Apple trees produce apples. Uh, that's what it does once we begin to examine the fruit of the false prophets then we're able to put an end to their charade we're able to reveal their real character but often not until we see the fruit that is produced see they have a dangerous character Jesus describes them as ravening wolves they they are greedy Uh, They they consider their their followers as nothing but merchandise to to propagate their own gain. They're vicious. See, the natural tendency of a wolf is not to lay down with a sheep but to feed on the sheep. Because these false prophets have not become partakers of the new nature they're not saved they they cannot carry out the pretense of being a sheep for very long right they just can't keep the disguise on long enough before their real nature is revealed they they feign piety they use the language of 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 historic orthodoxy of of historic christianity they they sound like we do They hide behind the cover of the titles and the education they might have, uh, but we have to look beneath the appearance to the reality. Jesus says, inwardly, they are ferocious wolves, and their aim is not to care for the sheep. Their aim is not to glorify God. Their aim is to have their own way and use us up in the process. Their aim is to glorify themselves and they will tear a flock to pieces from the inside before the flock even knows what's going on. As I have mentioned, they cause disunity. And if you follow their teaching, you will waste your time, you will waste your money, you will waste your energy. And if they could, they would lead you away from the Lord altogether. How do you determine the character of a false teacher? You only need look at the fruit that they produce. Again, grapes and figs don't come from thorn bushes and thistles. Good fruit is produced from good trees. Bad fruit is produced from bad trees. You might sometimes mistake a wolf for a sheep. Because they come in dressed like a sheep, and they sound like us, and do what we do, yeah. But you can't mistake—you uh, can't mistake an orange tree for an apple tree, right? You can't mistake, uh, you know, grapes, you know, and 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 a pear tree. No tree can hide its identity for very long. Sooner or later, it's going to betray itself because it's going to produce some fruit. You can't always distinguish trees by their bark or their leaves or the the way they spread their limbs out, but it says by their fruits ye shall know them. You know, somebody might take an apple, and 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 stick it on on a thorn bush. They might take a bunch of grapes and 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 hang it on on a thistle. Um, you know a false prophet might say some good things they might do some good things but you know that you know the apple of the grapes didn't come from that person the good works are good fruit good fruit is the good works if you know what the fruit is and if you know that it's a grape or an apple or a pear or a fig or whatever it is if you know what it is you know what kind of plant it came from men are known one commentary says not by particular acts but by the progression and tone of their lives the test of the prophet is his conformity to scripture it's no accident that Jesus's warning about false prophet immediately follows his teaching about the two gates and the two ways and the two crowds and the two destinations false prophets are 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 clever at blurring the issue of salvation some will so muddle or distort the gospel that they make it uh, hard for, for people looking for salvation to find the narrow gate. Others will try to, to make the narrow way seem broader than Jesus said it was. And that walking this narrow way doesn't require a lot of restrictions or, or changes in your belief or behavior. Others, the more malicious ones, will even dare to contradict Jesus and to attest that the broad road does not lead to destruction and that all roads will lead to God and that even the broad and narrow roads, even though they head off in different directions, will eventually come back and will end in life. Instead of having the character or conduct instead of having the fruit of meekness and gentleness and love and patience and kindness and, and goodness and self-control, there's going to be a, a spirit of enmity, of uh, impurity, jealousy, um, self-indulgence. Instead of teaching the truth, the fruit of his teaching will be, will be lies. See, all doctrine must be brought to the word of God as the standard because in judging of false prophets, the rule of faith, scripture, holds the chief place, John Calvin says. False prophets' teaching will upset people's faith. It will promote ungodliness. It's going to cause division. Sound teaching produces faith. It produces hope, it produces love, it produces godliness. Now verse 19 is uh, quite short, but it gives us the destiny of the false teachers. It says, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Jesus says that just as a bad tree is cut down and thrown into the fire, false teachers will likewise be dealt with in God's time. You know, the only thing to do with a bad tree is to cut it down. When, uh, especially if it got a disease, you have to cut it down, you have to destroy it. If they're not fulfilling the purpose for their existence, they have to be removed, they have to be discarded, hewn down. Uh, What doesn't produce gets the axe. You can't leave a diseased tree standing, it will spread the disease to the surrounding trees. See, there is judgment and there is hell waiting for false teachers who would seek to draw the lost away from Christ or to draw saved people away from the truth of the word of God. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and verse 3, verse 1 says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately, privily, privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Verse 3 says, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. That is the end of the false prophet. We must be careful not to get caught up in that. Now, how does this apply to us? What do we do we do with this information? They say that the best way to identify a counterfeit bill is to know what real money looks like, right? The same holds true for identifying a false prophet. Once you know the truth, the lie is not hard to recognize. Isaiah gave us a good standard. It's Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. Gives us a good standard for measuring this. He says, To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. We don't have to know a lot about what is false as long as we know what is true, as long as we know the word of God. And 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 here we're we're getting to the heart of the matter. Jesus says, by their fruit, you will know them. After a while, it'll be possible to discern who these people are. Just as a good fruit comes from a good tree and a bad fruit comes from a bad tree, we have to look at the fruit that the people produce. We have to examine the fruit of their lives. Do they minimize Christ? Uh, do 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 they do they avoid sin hell judgment repentance in first john 4 we we read that false prophets have a minimum false teachers and false prophets have a tendency to 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 minimize christ you watch the conduct of their lives jesus says in john chapter 15 you are my friends if you do what i command do they just talk I know it's cliche, but do they just talk the talk or do they also walk the walk? A genuine prophet, a genuine Bible teacher or preacher will not just know and speak the word of God, but he or she will try to live the word of God practical day-to-day obedience to the lord jesus christ would be their obsession so be careful of bible teachers who who live greedy lustful lazy selfish uh, lives be careful of those who don't show genuine love for their family or those they meet be careful of those who have habitually bad relationships with others watch for the consequences of their ministry in third john verse 9 john writes about a man called diotrephes diotrephes seemed to have been a false teacher in the church there and john writes that he loves to be first he loved to have the preeminence he always wanted to be up front always wanted to have all eyes on him so that everybody could see what he was doing and give him the accolades Or does their teaching result in people becoming better disciples of Christ? Do people repent from their sins and turn and, 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 and put their trust in Christ? Do people learn to love God and love God's word more or better? Do people learn to love and forgive each other? Is the church becoming more holy, more loving, more welcoming? See, by their fruits, the results of their life, you will recognize them. The fruit of their teaching, the fruit of their conduct, the fruit of their ministry is what we have to examine. You measure everything, measure everything by the word of God. Acts chapter 17, verse 11, we have the Bereans. They were more noble than the believers in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. I mean, yeah, they received the teaching eagerly but they didn't just take it they took the teaching and compared it to what they knew the word of god said jesus teaches that if they do not live right they do not teach right then they are false the word of god is our only barometer of truth we have to learn and practice discernment stop waiting for the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of discernment. Discernment now is a skill, and that skill you are expected to develop and to hone. 1 John chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he, th- than, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They that are of the world, I'm uh, sorry, they, they, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error that is an objective skill you know God you have a relationship with God you know the word of God and you can apply that skill by examining what they say and how they live right? every believer has a measure of discernment that they're expected to develop and hone and we must do that or we open ourselves up to be eaten alive by these wolves all right, let's see if we can wrap this up the warning of Jesus gives us though no license to become suspicious of everybody or to take it as our personal hobby that, that, that really kind of seedy sport of, of heretic hunting okay, that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about here this is a solemn reminder <coughs> That there are false teachers that come in from time to time and that we're to be on our guard because truth matters. See, false prophets who teach false doctrine can only produce a false righteousness. Their fruit, the results of their ministry is false. It cannot last. So you have to ask yourself, did my decision for christ change my life if it did not then you may be the subject the victim of a false prophet a false teacher a false gospel The prophets themselves are false, and the closer we get to them, the more we see the falsity of their lives and their doctrines. They magnify themselves and not Jesus, and and their purpose is to exploit, not to edify, not to build up. The person who believes false doctrine or who follows the false prophet or false teacher will never experience a changed life unfortunately some people don't realize that until it's too late you know this false prophets or false teacher it does not only mean false preachers false teachers who proclaim a false gospel but it also means a false professor in faith in christ See, their their inward nature hasn't changed. They wear the sheep's clothing. They call Jesus Lord. They might even do religious, righteous things. But their life has never changed. They've never been saved. Jesus says, by their fruits, you will know them. it's dangerous to come to church to continue coming to church for too long if you're unsaved if you don't know christ as savior it's dangerous to keep coming and keep coming and never make a decision to put your faith in christ because you learn to conform You learn to to say the right things. You learn to do the right things. You learn to to look the right part. And and you get comfortable and, and you start to fit in, forgetting that you're false, forgetting that you're unconverted. You forget that your eternal destiny has never changed so what do we do we must and you've heard me say this and I know you're sick of saying, hearing me say it you've got to read and know your Bible you have got to read and know what the scriptures say By saying that there is a true and false prophet, Jesus is telling us that there is a standard. There is a way that we can measure truth from error, right from wrong. The standard is God's word, the Bible, the scriptures. And and you will only know what is right and what is wrong if you are in a relationship with Christ and are constantly in the scriptures. You need to be reading your Bible at home every single day. You need to pray for the Spirit's help to discern, to, to understand, to love, and to practice what the Scripture says. Sheep are led by the voice of their shepherd. You need to know the voice of of your shepherd that's not me I'm not your shepherd I'm the underling I'm the, I'm the under shepherd no you need to you need to learn you need to know the voice of Jesus because it's only by that that you will not become prey to the false It's when you know the truth know the truth anybody coming in even dressed as a sheep you'll recognize as a wolf anybody coming in anybody trying to influence you whether it's on the radio or the tv whatever the media is uh, you'll begin to recognize no that that doesn't that doesn't sound right i better pay some attention to that Let, let me check that with scripture You won't become prey to the false when you know the truth. And you have got to know the truth. Just stand with your heads bowed nice eyes closed. Father, once again, as we do every Sunday at this time, we want to give you thanks for your word and for its authority. And thank you for your Holy Spirit's work in us he gives us Lord, the ability to recognize that that ring of truth and to and to recognize when something does not sound right according to your word the father help us to be discerning sheep help us to be wise fruit inspectors not that we can go shake the bushes and condemn everybody that doesn't believe exactly like we do but that we can recognize those that would do harm to your people, to your church. Father, we trust that your Spirit's going to work in us to make us wise and discerning people. And Lord, when we begin to falter in our love for your word, I pray that your Spirit would work in us to, to, to relight that fire. Father, you have said that your word is truth. Our Jesus has said that he is the truth. So, Father, we ask simply that you work in us to make us lovers of truth. And then, by extension, Lord, that we become livers of truth. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, Mike, would you come ahead, please?